0: Southeastern Bow
1: Hunter
2: Podcast. Hey guys, it's JD with Southeastern Bowhunter Hunter Podcast. You ever get bored like I do in the middle of the night watching YouTube, trying to figure out which broadhead flies the best, which one penetrates the best? different arrows, different bows, different bow speeds all that kind of stuff, go check out Chest Thumper Outdoors not only do they have some good hunting footage, he also does amazing broadhead reviews and arrow reviews and bow reviews and stuff like that, he goes to all the different trade shows and tests out all the bows right there on camera he also does the mountain archery fest so give him a check, that's again Chest Thumper Outdoors Go give him a good listen. Go watch his videos. Some amazing content. Hey guys, this is JD with Southeastern Bow Hunter Podcast. Just want to let you know I can save you a little bit of money if you go on to nosedownsense.com and type in the promo code S E B H 15. Southeastern Bow Hunter 15. S E B H 15. It'll get you 15% off on all the products they have across the whole site. Now go make sure you check them out. Amazing products, great cover scents, and great application scents for those big old scrapes you're trying to work on. Also, after you get that game, you can go ahead and season it up with some of their seasonings and dry rubs they have. Go give them a check.
0: What's up guys? Welcome to episode 45 of Southeastern Bowhunter Podcast. And dude, dude, we have a legend on this week. Um, I've looked up to this dude for a very long time, been following his career for quite a while. Um, You obviously have seen the name, so I'll just dive into it. We have Michael Perry on, and he is literally a legend in the South. Uh, This dude has killed so many big deer, Uh, not even just deer, he's gone on a ton of different hunts. And uh, I'm really excited, you know, for this episode. Um, We learned a lot, especially since, you know, I'm going to be hunting public land a lot more this season. Uh, I'm actually recording this the day before Georgia opener. So when this episode drops, it'll already be three days into the season. And dude, I'm really hoping that, you know, we get to uh, get on some deer. You know, I've had a few good public land bucks on camera so far, nothing crazy, but you know stuff that rivals, um, pickles, so, who knows, me and Thor have worked up a, uh, a game plan for the opening morning, and then I'll be going to one of my private spots to try and kill Trike, who has not been daylighting, <laughs> so that one's kind of a shot in the wind, um, he has daylighted before, like, a lot, but, uh, Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But Michael comes on and gives us a lot of info. He talks about his calling strategy. He talks about what he looks for on public land. And, you know, this, this, I'm telling y'all this episode, it's one of those ones where you listen to it more than once because you, there's so much knowledge in there. And it's just, you've got to listen to it more than once just because it's a lot to take in. Um, So, yeah, before we get started with that, uh, gear, I say it all the time, one of the best camo companies in the market. Um, Joe miles, awesome dude, Rendell, Eric, Lucas Kincaid, awesome guys. Um, everybody over at that company is just fantastic. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of what they do. I support them a hundred percent and, uh, I'm really, you know, thankful that we get to promote their product on here and they help us out a little bit too. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things like camo is very important. Um, it's not going to be the absolute end all be all. There isn't anything like that in hunting, but good camo helps a lot. Uh, So go to their website, save 10% with our promo code SBH10. And, you know, that's for site-wide. That'll save you anything site-wide. So if you need some camo, go check them out. You want just gear to rep them, go for it. Um, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Uh, Next up is Summit Tree Stands. Dude, I am so stoked to be able to get my my climber back in a tree. Um, I've been itching for it all year. So, you know, hopefully... Hopefully we go in, uh, you know, we'll be able to find something we can climb. I'm not really too worried about it because where we're going, there's a lot of climbable trees and I know that summit is going to keep me nice and comfortable, nice and quiet. And hopefully I can kill something out of it. That would be my first year out of a tree stand, actually. Uh, everything else I've killed is out of uh, a ground blind. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, summit tree stands, dude, you know, very quiet, very comfortable, American made. Uh, they've been a staple in the industry for a very long time. And I also, with them, am very grateful that they've uh, come on the podcast and decided to help support us a bit. Uh, They also want to support you guys. So go to their website if you want to get any accessories for your tree stand, say, you know, some foot stirrups or maybe some pole ropes or maybe just a whole new tree stand, dude. Uh, They have climbers and hang-ons and you can save 15% with our promo code with them, S-E-B-H 15, and that is site-wide. That's for anything on the website. Uh, The you know you can buy so go check them out uh if you haven't I don't know what's wrong with you (laughs) but uh yeah go go to summitstands.com go save some money and get some good quality product for when you go in the woods and you're after that big buck. Uh next up is gonna be Urban Archery Outfitters and Thrill of the Outdoors. Um great company man a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. I need to call Chris and see what is new because I haven't really talked to them much uh, here lately everyone's been getting so busy with you know season starting and just work family life all of that stuff so go check them out uh go make a hunter profile because here soon they're gonna start doing the um what is it the uh raffles or not raffles i'm sorry the auctions off for places you can go hunt that nobody else is gonna be able to hunt um yeah i mean it's it's really that simple you can listen to the episode with chris and it's 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 really something that I believe in. I'm very excited about it. Um, Yeah, dude. So I guess what, you know, before we jump in with Michael, like I said, you know, we got some deer on public. We're going to be going uh, tomorrow morning, which I guess if you're listening to this now, we're not going on Tuesday. Uh, We're going on season opener to a public land spot by me. And I am very stoked. Uh, I really hope that we get to get on something. I know JD is chasing a huge deer um, if you watch the video on our YouTube with Suburban Bowhunter, you'll get to see that deer. We also show Michael Perry, and he he was impressed. So, I mean, that says something. Um, yeah, man, I, I'm so excited. Andy Andy, and his wife, Alicia, are on some seriously big bucks. Uh, Christian is going after a good deer. Thor's got good deer. We're all... Everybody is just... I, I, I'm really confident this is going to be a really good season for everyone. So... Anyway, I got to get back to finishing up this yard that I'm cutting. Um, Unfortunately, I'm working after work. (laughs) So uh, go get your stuff dialed in. Go shoot your bow. Go check your stands. Um, And look, man, welcome to deer season 2023, baby. Let's get into it with Michael Perry. All right, guys, we've got a legend on the podcast tonight. Um you you'll see it in the in the uh, yeah jd has got it right uh you'll see it in the um title but we got mr michael perry on here and if you don't know who he is dude you're missing out cuz this guy
2: you're, you're li- living under a rock
0: yeah 100% this dude knows what he's doing he's killed some serious bucks and it is an honor man to have you on here honestly it really really is
3: well, i so, appreciate it. on <laughs> I appreciate y'all. you <laughs> going. I really appreciate. It. How y'all doing? Good,
0: man. Like JD Living said, a dream talking days. to you now. Yeah, we got 11 days, so we're 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 getting buckled down, ready to go, and it'll be here before we know it. So, so what part of Georgia are you at? Um, I'm over by I'm <clears throat> east of Atlanta in Covington, okay. and then JD's over in Cobb County,
3: Cobb around yep. Atlanta. Matt.
0: Said, Atlanta yep, area yeah.
3: Probably.
2: Okay. yeah. Yeah, I'm about uh, I'm about thirty minutes north of Atlanta on the on the northwest side of Atlanta. Please. Yeah. Yeah. I good. do have one quick question before we get started on everything though.
3: Oh yeah, go ahead.
2: Did you kill a uh Tyrannosaurus Rex? I mean, what is that around your neck? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> this
3: is a coastal brown bear and this is the Arctic grizzly bear. They're both Alaska. Good Lord. Yeah, so, yeah, that's the claws. So they're, they're, people think, you know, big bears or whatever, them
0: suckers right there, they're that's six Holy times black bears claws. Crap. And yeah, so. Okay, we need to know the story on that.
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> Lord, I wouldn't be able to sleep with that. I'd like impale myself. Right. <laughs> oh man.
3: I'm a, you, know, uh, you know, deer hunting public land is my passion. I mean that's that's what I'm all about. But I like doing something different and I really like something edgy and brown bear hunting sleeping in a tent out there in the middle of nowhere where the only way you can get in there is by a a bush plane and you're in there amongst them big old things they're top of the food chain and you're you're you know you got to get them close and and i just love doing stuff like that so i've done three alaskan trips took three two brown bears an arctic grizzly and a big black bear up there and then me and my wife and my son have done numerous bait black bear hunts in Canada and we've killed several of them. My wife's actually got the biggest one of them. She killed a 404 pound black bear with a crossbow in Canada. So we've, we'll have do something edgy every now and then. And I like kind of getting out because doing stuff like that makes you kind of think about other things outside the box as far as the way animals move and how they use habitat or how they use the winds. So I love doing stuff like that. So,
2: Man. That's what I'm looking forward to because I've got my first uh, black bear hunt set up uh, this this year um, in October. So that that's going to be fun.
3: Of the mountains of Georgia. Yep. Yeah, I we I yeah. know some guys that go out there about every year, and a couple of them have killed some. That's, I mean, that's some that's some prime area. They say there's some whoppers in there, and some big bucks in them mountains too. They say.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. The the guy I'm <laughs> the guy's uh, property that I'm going to. He's got one that's pushing 350 all day um so if i can get anywhere close to that for my first one would be amazing
3: yeah a 350
0: pound black bear is a walker you know so
2: yes sir yes sir
0: man how do you sleep when you're up there though knowing you've got monsters roaming around i mean that's just (laughs) i i'll tell her you wouldn't believe it i don't even get nervous
3: on bear hunts y'all get tore up when a fawn comes out deer hunting but the bears they don't make me nervous not one bit i tell them guys I was, listen when i go to sleep the only way i wake up whenever that bear is putting his paws on my chest so and the guy said we got it and, you know, sleep in a tent with a r- couple rifles and pistols yeah uh, if they really i was talking to somebody else mm-hmm. about this if they really wanted to get you in the tent they they can smell so good they'll circle the tent figure out where your head is by your breath then they'll come through that tent on top of your head and you just
1: you know, that, good Lord, know. So, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I've uh, me and JD watched um Cam Haynes's Grizzly Hunt that he dropped a few months ago, and dude, I'm telling you, when he was in front of that thing and drew back, it felt like I was in a deer stand watching the biggest buck of my life walk in front of me. Like <laughs> it was so nerve wracking, and I would do it, you know, because I plan on going to Alaska at some point in my
1: life. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, um, you, I, I, I highly recommend it. You know Cam Haynes. I've watched some of
3: his. He's got an old video. One of his buddies that he once scut- to or something that died out there in, in Alaska fell off a mountain or something. But there was a bear hunt with them yeah. where they actually after they shot the boar they had to shoot the sal because she come up after yeah. him. So, so yeah, I've
1: yeah. seen that one too. It's it, it, crazy. I mean, you just
3: you got to be prepared because them things can they can take off faster than a quarter horse and run forty something mile an hour, and climb whatever. There's no way you can get away with them. So you got to be ready to fight or kill them or something. So.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, me and my wife have watched those videos on YouTube, you know, late at night, just bored, where they're telling like bear attack stories. Yeah. And some of the things these people do, man, I'm like, how do you go out there knowing there's monsters, like a 900 pound bear, and you're not going to bring a gun with you? You're not going to have it ready whenever you need it. It just blows my mind, dude. It's, yeah. it's yeah. insane. They'll
3: but, get up, brown bears will push 2,000 pounds in the falls, the big ones will. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I've killed a pretty big one that weighed around eleven 1, hundred, and another one about nine hundred, but they they will and that's in the spring. And by the fall time, they'll get huge. Sir.
0: How yeah. was that pack out job?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you got that guy got for us. So
1: yeah,
3: you, we can't, You you don't do nothing but skin it right there on the on the site. You can't really do anything else with it. So.
1: Yeah.
0: How uh, have you? So I'm assuming you've eaten grizzly and brown bear and all that stuff.
3: They don't. They're they're deemed inedible. You don't have to eat them. You know,
1: really?
3: they say they, they say they taste like a rotten fish. So huh. basically, your your brown bear hunting is like your cowdy hunting. Your your predator hunting. So you're saving baby bears. You're saving baby sheep, baby moose, baby caribou, or other. You just keeping them up the predators under control. Is what is basically what that hunting's about. If you could shoot one, I, I, they say they just taste awful, but I've, yeah. I've never. So black bear knows good. I, it's real good. It's a,
2: yeah, I've, I've heard that. I was just about to say that I've heard that, you know, any other species outside of a black bear is just awful as far as the taste. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And Alaska's got I'll a rule it. like a certain day in June that you don't have to eat a black bear after them salmon start running or something because they they'll eat them rotten salmon
0: and it, it makes mm-hmm. their meat ranching so They don't have to eat them then. So.
3: Yeah, I've always yeah. wanted to
0: try that. Um, I've heard Stephen Rinello talk about like the blueberry black yeah. bear. I want to try that because that seems, you know, I'm, I'm just used to eating deer and elk. I mean, my uncle lives in uh, Colorado and he hunts them all the, all the time. And I was up there last year and had an elk on a state or on a grill and dude, it was so good. So good. But that's all I've ever had that and deer.
1: So
3: I've not had elk yet. I've had moose and, you know, Pronghorn. I've killed pronghorn. I've killed a moose. I'm, mule deer. That stuff. I've, I've yet to. I've been buying preference points for elk Wyoming, so it's on the list. But I I've yet to eat elk. Even. I know a lot of people kill them. I'm still kind of waiting until I do that before I eat one. So.
0: <laughs> I gotcha. Have you ever had a caribou? You ever caribou hunted before? Uh, no. that's, See, that's on my list. My
1: bucket,
0: yeah, that's on that's my that's, list. Yeah, that if I can do that hunt, I'm good. I'll be fine. I, I can stick to whitetails after that. It's, yeah. it's a dream hunt yeah. but so oh, that's, that's cool to
3: do that and to have goals like that. i recommend anybody to do something outside your box like that because you know the country we live in you have those opportunities and availability so and with the things that are going on in other places you might need to be thinking about trying to do that you know pretty quick you know because yeah. you know what's going to happen in the future so if you can do it you know i I would, you know, if I was a young guy, man, I would think about moving out there because of, there's, there's such a variety of stuff that you can take, you know, the mountain goat, you know, dog, sheep, moose, you know, blacktail deer, and, you know, all the fishing they got to do. So it's an it's amazing place. So I would highly recommend everybody trying to do that somehow or another. Even just go visit Carrie's wife, just turn around, you know, do a cruise or whatever. So,
0: yeah, I've tried convince my wife to move out to Colorado. She won't do it. <laughs> I cry a couple times a year, and she's like, "No." I'm like, "But it's nice. We get snow. They've got a bunch of animals I can hunt. It's not too hot most of the time. I mean, it's it's good." But All right. nope, she doesn't want to do it. My mom won't either. Grand grandbaby grandbabies
3: are down here. She ain't moving away from grandbabies. So.
0: Yep, that's exactly it. Look, well, man. So what? Um, before we dive into, you know. I guess the thing that, you know, you're the most passionate about everything, you know, everybody knows you for what got you into hunting? Like, what was your start and how did you get to basically get from that to where you are now? The first real
3: introduction I got to the
0: outdoors was trapping when I, we
3: used to live in like a small city. And uh, my dad had, my dad went from duck hunting to rabbit hunting to trapping, commercial fishing and stuff like that before he moved into deer hunting and he started deer hunting a little bit then trapping got pretty big where you could make decent money at it so he started doing that and I was going with him I was young I was bicycle age wasn't even near driving so and uh I begged him said, fix me up some traps I don't want to trap so he fixed me up four or five and I loaded up on my bicycle and took off got outside the city limits, found some farmland with some woods and started walking creeks found me some raccoon tracks and I set some traps and the very first night I caught a big old boar coon and He'd fix me up a stick to take care of it with, but he wasn't expecting me to take catch anything. But anyway, that, that raccoon whooped that stick, about whooped me, and we went round around that creek before I finally got took care of. And then I was so happy, and that gave me the fire to to start doing that and going through that process of keeping trapping. Because even when we moved to the back to where I was born at in Colvin on 40 acres and the back, it bordered some backwater, and I trapped a bunch before school and just learning how animals how their tracks how they use different edges how they travel creeks how they travel you know fence lines you know cuts and just a variety of things and to be to feel good about being a confident of a trapper you have to learn learn how to catch one without any kind of scent you can catch an animal without any scent basically you're making it put its foot where you want it to put it and uh, once you could do that pretty good you're you know i'll a decent trapper, so I learned to do that on land trapping and on a water trapping, is without using scent and your blind sets and that. So I was kind of parted that into when I started getting serious about mature bucks, is is trying to figure out how they're using areas and where would be the best place to catch them at certain time because they're such a they're such a unique animal and a, and a tough animal to get when they're mature, especially on public land. So that that got me into the outdoor stuff and then. You know, deer hunt, just like everybody when young, and I didn't kill one till I was 20-something years old, and I didn't kill my first good buck I was 31, so, and my brother killed a monster one, you know, 180, so it, that fire about the big bucks, you know, changed and then started learn- trying to figure out how to get big ones or more
0: mature ones, so that puts me to where I'm at today, basically, so. Heck yeah, man. Man, I can't even imagine being that young, just being allowed to run out there and, play around in the woods like that my parents would have been like nope you're you're staying with us they were yeah. they were city folk so they were kind of weird about it but well,
3: a lot of things have changed you know over that time frame you know back then you take off i took off on
0: bicycle and do anything you know so yeah in a city
3: but you know now it's different but yeah that's how i grew up doing it so
0: heck yeah man so basically like because i know you you killed i saw your your deer um just all over the place man didn't you kill like a giant down in Alabama and it was the state record like two years ago or something like that?
3: Yeah, two years ago, the state record, and a non-typical modal order one. So I don't yeah. know if you can – it's behind me. I don't know if you can see it or not. Uh, how's that going? I don't know.
1: Can you see it? I think it's
0: – yeah, okay.
3: Right, right there.
2: Yep. He uh, was 195, wasn't he?
3: 196 and 3.8. They had a little confusion with buck- right. when they were adding up the score on, on the score sheet, but it's 196 and 3.8. It's all that got clarified now, so it's okay. you know, pretty good. You know, big bucks, so it's – Oh, yeah. I to,
1: so. Yeah. I mean, I so you,
2: what? you were talking earlier about, um, you know, trying to figure out the your buck patterns and, and stuff like that on public. Um, let me ask you a question. I'm hunting on private. And this year is the first year that I actually had a noticeable change compared to last year um, in their patterns. And I had a question about it. Mm. So last year, during the early season and right before season, I had, you know, my bachelor group of bucks that would always you know, stay together, you know, until, you know, September, October. Then they start going about their own separate ways. Right. But last year, They stayed on camera all year in bachelor groups, no matter how hot it got or not. This year I had a bachelor group come in August 7th was the last time I had pictures of them. And I got a big one that I got one that's one fifty or bigger. He's, he's my big target, but um, me and my neighbor, both been watching him the past three years. But uh, this year, august 7th they came in they were feeding uh, i've got a feed site out there i didn't have one single picture until last night and the one i had last night was a little bitty forky buck all by himself where did my bachelor group go what are they doing
3: well like here was you know I'm, i'm not as familiar with that but i i have a decent idea like last year say here we had a we had a drought toward the late part of summer, and then the acre and crop, mass crop was none. So, but now everything we've had plenty of rain. Everything is so green, and they prefer that natural browse over, you know, over the corn piles and feed piles. Is what I was, what I was think. You know, you know, bachelor groups. From what I've noticed, that you know, especially on public land, the big old dominant one. A lot of times he'll stay in that area. He just runs the other ones off, and you, he'll, you'll you'll start have have him in Velvet and Hardhorn at times. From what I've noticed on the cameras that I that I run on public land, so that big one he's probably gonna hang around. The rest of them is probably gonna be gone because he don't want any more competition. Now he's done got so mature that he he's the boss of the area. I'm assuming so.
2: Yeah, he's so definitely the boss there. Um But I like I said, I just. I couldn't figure it out because last year I had I had him on camera almost every day last year, until October, and then he was gone. So I figured my area that I hunt is his summer area before he'll transition off to his you know rut area. Um, but this year, way before season, you know I've already you know almost lost him. I, I haven't seen him in this three week four weeks now. I haven't seen him. Huh? Well, your doe groups, you can't, you you trying to i've develop. got i've got so many does it's unreal i've yeah, got to take out some does.
0: two doe days this year that's how many does he has we're doing an early season one and then a late season one to try and knock the numbers down because it is ridiculous
2: i've got i've got one picture of over 30 deer 30 does in one picture
0: well that's, to me if that would be the prime thing is
3: like if i had me a private spot i wouldn't mess with any kind of doe hunting until after the rut, way after the rut, let let them does be happy, be confident, let them feel secure. Don't mess with them. so then, they start coming in heat. And then wait for the big bucks to come in. That would be my dream situation. Then after the rut, all will pick out some does to take out. But I, I as much as I've kind of watched over the years, I wouldn't shoot any like the lead does, the old does, because they're the ones that train your deer about coyotes and other predators and and people and stuff like that. So take out some of the year and a half olds or something, you know, not all of them, but, you know, just kind of keep some of the big mature ones that, that'll that keep them in that area because you kill that big one, and a lot of times they lose like, well, who's going to tell us where to go or, or teach us to, when the food sources change and stuff like that. So that would be my thought process to keep them those happy and confident. Don't mess with them until after the root. And hopefully you'll get you that big one beat you something send me a picture. So,
1: <laughs> so you,
2: So you don't think that having too many does will actually hurt my area for rut because the bucks at that point don't have that one particular doe they're looking for. They're, they're, they're tired of chasing so many.
3: Well, I mean, it could, if it does hurt, but I wouldn't mess with them until after the rut, you know what I'm saying? thin thin what you want to thin or what somebody recommends, but I wouldn't mess with it for them. And that's just me because I've on public land. I've had does like I know the same doe would bring a buck by me or whatever. So I don't want to. You know, shoot one with a bow and think, dang, that might have been as blue it brought them two 10 points by me back to back years. So,
1: right. So okay. Try- okay. Try
3: not to- if it's somewhere, an area that I'm trying to target a big buck, I don't want to mess with anything. I don't want even want to know I'm hunting them until, you know, until it's the right time. I kind of, by trail camera date over the years, I always wait till them dates come that I'm catching them on in daylight. And then that's, that's when I key in. You now that monster, when I killed with the mulvad, I did not go down there to the actual dates that I had him on daylight and that I knew of for sure. Without because if you go in there, there's a lot of times they're gonna see you or hear you or smell you without you knowing it. Then they just they they've already figured you out, and then they pay attention to how you're coming in, and you won't ever see them. So I will wait till the right time. You know when it's when it's prime, the does are in heat, or you're getting them on the daylight pictures. So. Hmm.
2: Yeah, because that that's what that's what's still so confusing me about my big one that I've got because he like i said that last day on the seventh he came in twice at daylights one at seven o'clock in the morning one at four o'clock in the morning wow. or four o'clock in the evening um but then it, like i said him in particular I have not seen in four weeks i just i hope he comes back
3: yeah yeah i'll totally to tell you that when they get that old, that's the thing about it. they get that old, they've already smelled, heard, and seen so much stuff. They know about when hunt season goes. They know how your neighbor so your neighbor's watching them too. they probably already figured him out, so and then at night time, they can wander around and see how you're accessing the foot feed out or how you're accessing the to, to fixy stands or whatever. They they can kinda of learn all that and keep up with it. My dad always said he'd know a deer to count for three, so they can they can keep three things in their mind anyway, but
1: Okay. Huh.
0: That's actually pretty. That's pretty good advice, cause I've I've kind of lived that in a way. I had a deer last year um, on one of my public spots that he only daylighted once, and it was it was like a spot that I went to all the time. And I'm thinking, oh, if I change this feed up or I put this scent out, he'll show up. And he'd show up at night, but he never daylighted except for one day. Yeah. and it kind of got me thinking it's like well I'm in there every weekend I know you know because I was getting photos of him at like 6 15 you know five o'clock around the time that I would be going in and uh, I was just basing it off a of cell cam where I wasn't seeing him in the field so I'm like okay I'm good but he could have been right there and I never would have seen him and then he uh, knows when I'm coming in so it kind of makes sense if you stay out and just wait until you get that first daylight photo he doesn't even uh, know you're in there uh, yeah, don't let him pattern you. The more you go in there, it's, it's a lot easier for him to pattern you. So
3: the hard horn pitcher is, is the best picture you can get, you know, daylight or dark. It don't matter. And hard horn, they're there for a reason. So any daylight picture, hard horn during the season, you know, that time frame, because he could be coming through there at other times because most of the time, especially on public, they don't always travel the same way. But They're still daylight, and they might be 30 yards down or behind the camera or whatever. So that time frame is, is just so key to me that I wait for that. So but it just took years to learn that and on private land or something that you got, you're working on your own. And I'm hoping, you know, with your cameras you run year round is kind of figure out a, a good timeline and when, when to mess with them, when not, because them big boys, and big boys those are a whole different animal. So it just, I always try to be as careful as I can, maybe over careful, you know, scent control, access, all that, just try to take all that to an extreme and that, and, once I kind of figured out a system that worked for me, that's kind of what I go by. And if I don't have that much luck during the season, I don't really know, worry about it because, you know, sooner or later I still have the luck. It's just, it's just, you just got to make your luck, you know, at the right time.
0: That's true. That's very true. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I really had to rein myself in a bit because I was going every single weekend last year, same spot, same access, same times and all of that. And, yeah. It went from seeing deer for a month to seeing one deer in four months. Yeah. So it was kind of obvious what happened. Yeah. You
3: know? I'm a big believer of like accessing the same way in and out, but I don't want to cross any kind of trails. i got a, a way of doing it, you know, or try to make sure that that's the way I do it. When I set a camera up on somewhere I think I can hunt, I've always got it in my mind that I can hunt here not when I put a camera out. I'm not just putting cameras out just for, you know, data or for inventory. I want to know, when they come through there, when I can hunt it, you know, in the daylight. So I'm positioning that camera on a way that I can get there to hunt somehow another in and out without crossing too many trails or any trail if I can help it, you know, and, and, and staying with that strategy. You know, the less intrusion, the better. Too.
0: Gotcha. So for JD's situation, what what do you recommend? You just wait until the first hard one picture or? That would, that, that would be me. You
3: know, he's you know, talking about bait piles, and I've, I've heard people talk about they got cell cams. Like, if you got cell cams at work, you know, just wait until you get an actual picture of that of him with a, with a cell cam in the daylight and then then, you know, make sure your batteries are fresh before your season starts. The, the camera's in good shape and then make sure your feeder or whatever it is you're, is full before about that time frame you think, and then wait till that sucker shows up in daylight, then, you know, make you move then and be that would be what I would do, I would think. Okay. So, do you
0: uh, use Did I use what? Mock scrapes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. what do you do when you've got like, because I know JD is using them. I'm using them. A lot of our buddies are using them. Um, Like right now, or maybe in the next, well, I guess right now is probably a good time around yeah. Um, If you make a mock scrape, say tomorrow. Yeah. Get a couple of photos. It rains. You go back out. How often do you freshen up your mock scrapes? Like if you're not getting a ton of deer to show up to it, say they're not taking to it as hard or or whatever, how often would you go in there to refresh it, but also not put too much pressure? I
3: one thing, if I think they take it over, you know, that's the biggest thing is I want to do it. Once they start it, they kind of take it over, then I don't want to mess with it no more. Let them freshen yeah. it up. The 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 initial thing, if they don't, if they don't take to it and don't like it, then it might not be in the right exact spot that, they, that they're that they used to or that, that style. So I would, I just, i would be, what I do is just, just like the feed or whatever. It's the less intrusion, the, you know, the better. Once you get them started and they take it over, then leave it alone. So,
1: Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Cause I've been having issues, man. I've got one spot that like on public, I haven't really had any problems. I made a couple um, shoot, man, back in June and I could send you photos. I had, quite a few deer out there on this field where the mock scrape was and they were you know around it hitting it all that stuff now one of my private spots i've probably freshened it up a few times and they're not even they're not even messing with it wow so it might might be a location issue um i didn't even think about that to be honest it's kind of
3: got like a good like a thermal hub you know food plots is a totally different thing you know And I've not tried anything kind of out of the box, but uh, I'm trying to think of the guy out west that he's involved with, like with Buck Fever Synthetics or something like that. He's got a concoction of stuff that he uses that, like, to get off the gland of the head that they put their head in them limbs above the scrape. So, uh, Troy Pottinger, you know, Troy Pottinger. Yeah. Yeah. He's real, you know, real knowledgeable about stuff like that more than I, you you know, I'm just started playing with that some over the last couple of years. And a lot of it was I was trying different scents that people are saying this is the this is the perfect scent, and uh, I've not really had any luck with any kind of ruck scents putting them on scrapes, doing that. Now that the glands that's from the deer's head and stuff like that. I would think that would be the best route to go on using that stuff because it's hard to imitate a real dough and heat thing and plus know the exact time frame that you need to be doing it. if you're trying to set the scrape up something to hunt you want to you want to do it before season starts or in, in the initial part of the season that it, it's hard to put the right scent in there so that head scent would be the best thing you know some kind of buck head scent would be the best thing to you know do some limbs or or some people are using some kind of rope or vine or something now that they're doing so that would be the be something i would be more interested in trying because i didn't have any kind of Consistent luck using any kind of dough and heat things. I've done that a bunch, like right through the season. I put a camera out on an established scrapes and I made some using say tanks or just a variety of different kind of scents. And I didn't really have anything to say. This is what I need to do now. For the other scent, like for while I'm hunting, I really like the misting something. Like if I get to my tree or if I'm walking my tree and there's a breeze blowing, I do it like a dominant buck and a, and a doe and heat misting. Just a one blast. Just, just let it drift.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: Burn, you know, I don't like, I'm not a big fan of a drag rag because I don't want something tracking me in my tree. So I've had them happen too many times. They track you to your tree. You know, buck or something, that sucker's going to figure you out for too long. Start stomping, blowing or whatever i just don't want anything tracking tracking me to come a tree and i can't hear that good and they'll sneak a big buck will sneak up there without you even knowing it most of the time figure you out be gone without you even knowing about it so but the mission sense is something i've i've had success with bow hunting you know like three-year-olds not no monster bucks yet but i've had three-year-olds come in with a mission scent lips curled and Fleming. i had one that was doing snort weeds and stuff like that coming in you know so that would be but as far as the scrape stuff i would the head gland stuff that that stuff is real interesting to me as far as getting it kind of established and them hanging in there with it.
0: Yeah, I can, I can definitely say that stuff works. Cause, um, my favorite spot on this public land by the house, I made a mock scrape last year with some of that preorbital stuff. And that's all I used. I just scraped the ground, sprayed it and that was it. It was like mid October. Dude, there was probably six or seven shooters that showed up. One of them had to have been four or five years old. Um, wow wasn't daylight. It was right before daylight, but I saw the direction he went in uh, and, you know, you can kind of figure out, at least yeah. sort of guess a little bit where they're going to be going. Um, So, yeah, yeah. I think that, <clears throat> I think that head gland stuff really, really is something that people should probably use more of. Because, you know, like you just said, a lot of people think, oh, you just get a bottle of tank. So you get whatever, you know, the new thing is, yeah. you just spray it out there, spray that dough and estrus in November and they'll, they'll come <laughs> to you, but. I haven't seen that. <laughs> I've tried it. Yeah, it takes – most of you know, I'm trying to
3: – if I'm trying – my strategy is, is more multiple things, not just one thing. There's no, there's no total, complete secret, you know. I always put yourself in a position where multiple factors is giving you a better chance, you know. So the so moth's crate close to a bed area or a thermal hub or, or four or five pinches coming together or, or just anything like that, two or three trails crossing, you know. The more things you've got that's giving you the better odds is, is my, my strategy. I don't like hunting single trails, month or or a single anything, you know, a, a single feed tree. I'm not a big fan of that. It's just, But that's just me, you know. I don't, I'm not saying it can't be done, but I like putting more odds in my favorites. And uh,
0: yeah, I, I take your advice way. on public land over a lot of people, because <laughs> I've seen what you've yeah. done, man. <laughs> yeah. So for
2: some more advice on public land for some of the newer guys like me and Eric that are starting you know, to branch out the public a little bit more this year and in the next few years, I think, um, are you necessarily worried about what some of our generation I've heard on the internet has said as far as, oh, I've got to go eight miles back, or you just wanting to go in and focus on the pressure points because you know, it's public and you know, there's going to be pressure. Are you hunting a pressure point, or are you making the eight-mile trip back?
3: Sometimes it's a pressure point, but it don't have to be the eight miles or the long way. It's, it's somewhere that's, that a deer feels safe or a buck feels safe or a group of does feel safe. It's just rugged territory. It might be right beside the road, you know, or, or it might be just some odd place. It ain't always just far back, but buck's. Even over time, they figure out in places on public land the best place to be, the best advantage, because most of the time, mature buck, when he beds, whatever, he's got some kind of sightline advantage where it's almost impossible for you to get in front of him. And coming behind him, he's going to have the wind coming straight down over his back or a bunch of stuff behind him, a bluff or a bunch of blow down. You know, he, he's got, a, he, he's built or found a spot that's almost impenetrable by a human. So just finding places like that and then, you know i start out by you know trying to find a big track and then try to figure out why that track is there just once i find one no matter what it is stop and ask a bunch of questions why is it here why is it pointed that way why is it coming from that way you know or why is it down the low? why is it up high why is it by this edge or you know a bunch of factors trying to figure out why that buck is there then, then look at topo maps and stuff like that so it don't have to be you don't have to make long hikes but you it needs to be Well, there's two main things you know if you're rut hunting which is to me the best chance of killing a monster you know most of the time is the rut which it's kind of also the rut gives you options of other but a buck could come from anywhere you know checking doe groups so keeping up with the doe groups is one thing and then isolated places where a big buck has the has the chance to catch you or it has the has the advantage over you and then stay on the edge of that without letting him know you're there and then hopefully you can catch him coming out and trail cameras are usually if you can get in the right spot is give you an idea once he starts daylight you know some of them might not ever daylight you know some a lot of them die of old age more than people think i I really believe but it's just don't overthink yourself and don't think you got to do a one certain thing it's it's a variety of stuff you know so you can ride okay, around. I got you. If you've got if you've got time, you can ride around, say on the opening gun hunt or opening hunts. If you got dirt roads or or foot range or whatever, and see, you know, first off, you see where everybody parks at, and second off, you see where anything's crossing roads at or wet spots, and try to see what they're doing when people come in. So that's that's another thing you can do. But best that's advice the is, you, you know, best advice is kind of figure out what, what you want to shoot. you want to shoot a 120 or a 150, then uh, if your state has them deer or if the public land around you has that type of deer, understand that, make sure it's a realistic goal for that area. And then, you know, if you, people will talk, so you'll find out about what area hold big ones or when big ones get killed at, then learn that area as best you can, a couple of miles square, learn every bit. Of it. As soon as season's over, with walk it, walk it, walk it, walk it, walk it. As long as there's not any leaves on, just keep walking it until summer. And I don't don't do much scouting in the summer, but learn all you can after season because a lot of that data that's still left assigned tells you a lot about what's happened during that year. So write that stuff down, document it, whatever, and keep up with it. It might take you a couple of years to start picking a pattern or figuring a pattern out. So, But the more you can learn about your area, how dare you use it, you know. Or the doe groups that, you know, droppings is, is, is a key thing for me in tracks, so, you know, rubs tell a lot, you know, as long as they're, you know, you understand how tall your deer are, or whatever, a taller rub is generally a more mature buck, so, it don't have to be a big old tree, but taller, you know, the more height they got, the, the bigger deer, so.
2: Hmm. Right, right, I got you. I, Go. I thought
0: about looking at, like, droppings and stuff, which you think that would just kind of be, like, an obvious thing, but Every time I'm scouted, I'm always looking for like feed trees. And this is early season, but feed trees, trails, scrapes, you know, and then obviously in the rut. You scraped, find a big
3: old find a big old buck drop, and it's usually some kind of compacted looking, it's almost like a human.
1: You know, yeah. Them
3: little pellets, the little pellets you find all over the place, you know, is mostly those or young bucks, them big old you know, man-sized, compacted <laughs> droppings. That sucker's that's a big deer. So, and you know, it, some of them's hard to find. But you find that, I mean, that's almost like finding gold. He was there for a reason. He was mm-hmm. there for a reason. So, you know, that's just that, that's just critical that, information. So,
2: yeah, that's something I've heard too. Is that does and young fawns or young, you know, yearling bucks? You know, they'll they'll kind of you know crap wherever. Uh, yeah. But I've heard that a uh, an older, mature deer. He'll pee wherever, but he'll actually, from what I've heard, he'll only crap where he's comfortable and where he's typically around.
3: Uh, I, I believe that because you just don't find it everywhere. It's just every now and then you right. see it. And, and right. I believe that whenever they get up and get out of their bed and stretch and do all that, it might be somewhere close to that. So it's just just like you know, yeah,
1: people, yeah.
3: You know coffee or whatever, that first 20 minutes, because he ain't going to get up and just take off unless he's kicked up. He's going to get up and kind of look around, smell everything, you know, wait for a breeze to hit him. Most the times they can wait for any kind of breeze to change, before they even think about moving or going anywhere because they, they hmm. want updated information because they've been, been there for a while. So yep. then they go
0: and go crap, use the bathrooms, and it's generally going to be in that area most of the time. So. That makes so much sense, dude, because that deer I was telling you about on uh, private from last year, every time I'd go in to put more food out or even go hunt, because um, there's a few different spots. It's only seven acres, but it backs up to like 200. So – You know, it's kind of, I'm expecting him to walk a long ways and he would do it, but I'd be walking to my stand or I'd be going to put feet out and there'd be just giant logs. Just, you knew it was from him. And I'm like, but I didn't think about the fact, like what you just said, you know, they're going to get up, wait a minute, check the wind. And then they're going to go, they're not just going to, you know, go off too far and then try you know what i'm saying <laughs> so i mean but what like I, I run
3: cameras year round you know and strategic places you know and you very they just they don't hardly ever just get up and just walk around for for no reason to mature about them. you don't hardly see any kind of pictures of them until the right time of year rut you know maybe a little bit pre-rut they just they're, they're learning how to live you know um, my, a friend of mine I talked to not too long ago. He said they became a professional survivalist by then, so they ain't, they ain't walk around and get killed. <laughs> they're trying to stay. There. They've learned how to stay alive, and their their movement is very limited, unless they get kicked up or doze in heat. You know they don't. Like, the big mature bucks have already got their bodies back fat. You know we live in the south. They don't. You know weather don't make our bucks move and eat. You know they don't get that cold. They they can wait till night every time every day if they wanted to, sir. So.
1: Mm-hmm
3: so they don't have to move until the rut you know if they want to move they might some of them might wait for the doe to come to them some of y'all who, how you know they ain't got the does trained to them they, they come to his area so yes yeah. they're just so much of a different animal you got to kind of think out of the box a little bit and be strategic and, and you know cameras will kind of and trust your gut Cameras always it's kind of helped me with my gut that's what's mainly that's that's helped me a lot you know i think this is happening i think this is happening i put a camera there and it gets verified then that that helps you build your confidence up so just like y'all if i keep your buddy there's got their 150 on camera so that right there gives you enough confidence to know you're in the right area you've got the right land so that there's no reason to really get too carried away or overthink yourself and just make a strategic plan and stick with it you know that's the biggest thing is stick with your plan be confident and you know don't overthink yourself don't worry Oh, jim bob killed a 160 yesterday, I got to do something. So don't, you know, don't don't freak out over what everybody else kills. So
1: stick
0: with your
3: <laughs> plan and be confident.
0: Yeah, I mean, I oh, think for his kinda, situation, yeah. what I'm thinking, and this is just from listening to you, Troy, you know, I've talked to T-Bone about it. Like I've talked to a lot of the people that have been doing this for a while and know what they're talking about. And they, I've always heard that if, you don't have bucks now so like he you had um you're talking you're talking about um, king louis right yes. you're talking about ian which one
2: no i'm talking about king louis louis okay
0: if louis gone now he didn't show up till when last year late october
2: see last year he showed up i had him on camera in july and august and then he was gone until october I had one picture of him in October and it was at night and then I never saw him again. Um, this year I've seen them. I've seen them in July. I've seen them now, August 7th and that was the last time I saw him, but I had another conversation with someone else and maybe y'all can help me out with this. Um, maybe you might be able to give me a little bit more insight on this, what are your thoughts on? I know we're all we're all in velvet right now, uh, as far as our bucks and a couple. They're starting to get hard horned a little bit further south, um, but I've heard through some conversations that when they start shedding their velvet, it is extremely painful for the deer, and they will actually damn near go without food and everything that they need for weeks because they're locked down in one position trying to get all that velvet off before they start moving again
3: uh, huh. i've not really heard that exactly i do know most of the time big Whenever they start shedding they'll have that stuff going within a day that's what
1: okay
3: i've understood but and it might be painful i'm not i'm not sure but but I do know they get it off very quick and they eat most of it, so it's just look at it, it's yeah. protein or whatever, so but I've not really heard it. I just know that most of the time your bachelor group, as soon as they start shedding things have changed, you know, some of them stay together. That big one, the big dominant one, most of the time. Leather monster when I killed, he kept one kind of with him, but he didn't tolerate nobody else. And I don't really know why he kept the one with him, but but the rest of them they want it gone he, because i guess because he's in the king of the area he don't he don't trust four or five of them he just maybe keep one with him but the rest of them run off so kind of understand how your area lays in with the rest of it because mature bucks or bucks like some kind of hump some kind of vantage point to best, so they're going to spread out over the next couple miles away from you but they still going to know where them dog groups are you know to come back and check so when you get set up to to rut hunt, whatever, kind of keep that in mind where they could be coming from to check your dog groups, the deer that has been pushed off. So the you,
2: only, you know, it's you know, funny as you were talking about the, you know, how I could, you know, potentially blow them out, you know, by me putting stands out and, you know, all that kind of stuff. My big one that I've got, King Louie, the one I'm talking about, he didn't show up on camera, on my camera this year. He showed up on my neighbor's camera, but he didn't show up on my cam until, the day I put my ladder stand out, then yeah. that's when he came in and fed.
3: <laughs> wow, that's. Something. I don't know if he just if it you know just just so happened to happen that way, or if he heard something and I'm gonna come over and check it out with it at night when he come in or.
2: No, he came in during the day, seven o'clock in the morning. Wow, I
3: don't know. That's you know they're they're yeah. like I say, hey, them suckers live old for some reason. They they got you know if I knew exactly what they had done, I'd have a lot more bigger skills. But it, you know
2: everybody. <laughs> Well you've yeah. got more than both of us combined, so that's yeah. why we're coming to you.
0: <laughs> I say I think both these deer combined might go up to like one of your smaller ones. So yeah. <laughs> that's a nice bucks, you know. Hey there, I'm happy with them. He yeah. this one right here. Where, where's my hand going? That guy. That dude. If I could give yeah, that one. one um, in the corner. What's that? The
3: one in the corner up high.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he actually wasn't the deer I was trying to kill last year. That's my first bow buck. That one on the couch was a crossbow. And then I think this one over here was a crossbow. Wow. I've, got, I've honestly only killed four or five deer in five years. So, I mean, that should show like I've been trying to learn and get better at it. But he right. showed up the second week of season last year. And um, he wasn't even my target buck. He showed up with my target buck, but I couldn't get a <laughs> shot. And then I realized he had three brow tines on one side. So oh. I was like, "I'm just gonna shoot that guy."
1: But it yeah, goes what say, what I, 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 you know,
0: that's a nice buck. Though. I I wouldn't pass
3: it up with a bow, especially. So I, ain't nothing wrong with that buck at all, y'all. So
0: that means so much coming from you.
1: <laughs> it really
0: does, man. So, hey, show so show him mine. So
2: which one, Louis? Show yeah, show him that right, one. I, the, me, my latest one. Give
0: me ten minutes so I can find this photo.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, I just I, want to see what you think about mine.
3: Well, I'm saying public land, like. The last one I've shot on public land with a bow was was that big, big wide big one. I killed a twenty-something inch wide one. That's mm-hmm. been three years I think ago. So I don't I don't get a shot of a big one then with a bow. Or a this one the bow every three or four years on, on the public land I'm hunting because it's just it's that gu'm hard. And I pass up a bunch of two and a half year olds, you know, fifteen to twenty of them a year. So it's because I just I'm just trying to get the the next level maybe. So but right, you know, so it's just. That's just part of what you want to do. You know, I, I don't tell anybody what kind of goals they should have. Whatever makes you happy. You know, I've shot plenty of spikes. You know, I went last year, meat hunting a place and shot the first buck to come in. It had not been a three year old, just a goofy rack, wasn't nothing nothing to brag about. But I didn't care for a spike. Hey, sometimes-
2: I'm the same way. If it makes you excited, shoot it.
0: Yeah. So sometimes- yeah my buddy sent me a photo of a spike today, and he was like, "This, is, this is my target buck." I'm like, "Hey, that's a nice eleven point, dude. Well, that's a booner." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So while I'm looking for this photo, what, um, you know, because season is at least, I I don't know when y'all's comes in. I want to say it comes in like late September, October. Um, but for us, it's next week, early season. What are you looking for? I know people say feed trees. I know that's like the basic thing, but what do you, when you go into scout, what are you looking for? Like terrain, um, sign. I mean, what, what's your ideal thing that you try to find every year? The, the, and i go back to
3: just kind of history of what what i've been lucky with whatever the most luck i've had early season boat hunting has been in the evening and okay. so i'm generally looking at terrain where i where bucks kind of bed above or specifically looking for tracks coming off of hills or points going down and crossing a creek or something that are fresh and then try to figure out if i can do that and i'll i'll try to find as many of them places i can early season because our like you say our Ours opens the uh, end of September, first of October, and I've got until Halloween basically to, to like early season hunt But the way I work, swing, shift, I've only got say six or seven days tops. top. So, okay. and I'm looking for an evening place to where I know where a fresh track is coming off a hill, going to cross, going to whatever they're going to do, and, and try to set up on that. If it's a morning place, if I find something confident, it's maybe a bed that's close to some acorns like isolated acorn trees you know something in thick covers or something close to thick cover and be on the same level with them in the morning going back to bed hopefully and then that's tough because I've been busted and I know you know without even hearing them whatever because I only give them I only give them places a couple times because you can get busted so easy because they're usually in the morning they're already getting close to their bed or back to their bed Mm -hmm. early season so then mature ones you know you might catch them younger ones but my best luck is eating. Just find something I can get to in the evening that where they're coming down to go possibly to water if it's dry or going down to start making a nightly ramps or, you know, maybe a, if you could find a, a good scrape by end or a scrape line early season, you know, that. But, but generally something like that where I'm thinking they're coming down from the bed to go to make a move. So.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause I don't a what you of uh, morning hunts early season because our, our season up in, uh, around here is only three and a half weeks and I can only hunt on the weekends and I'll right. go in the evenings, but I've got this one, this one deer that I'm really hoping I can get him opening evening. Cause he just consistently, I figured him out. You put feet out that night and the next night he will be there in daylight. So that's yeah. kind of the plan, but yeah. public land's so much different because
1: yeah. I don't have you any can, cell games out there. Yeah. So, if
3: you can find like, you know, even a even an early food plot you know or, or persimmon tree or something like that you know you can but you can find a buck but most of them places i'm going i'm only going to give them a time or two early season and move on to another one because they they because in know, evening you know you got to climb down in the dark and you don't know where they at you know mm-hmm. that dark is, is their 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 life so so i'm only going to give them a couple shots and i'm moving on to something else and until i'm getting ready for my rut hunting stuff so just Just be, I would highly recommend early season is be real flexible and move, you know, be, be mobile and be ready to move and just give a couple shots, move on to something else. The more stuff you can find early and then do that, whether it's feed trees, you know, persimmons, the feed that you got or or a food plot that nobody else is messing with, you know, this stuff like that. Something that's, that they're just, they're, you know, when that, when mass crops drop, that's like somebody opened an ice cream shop or whatever, it's been closed for years. So they, they want to get down there and get it, you know, so. Yeah, so that keep that kind of theory, you know, that thought process up, and just kind of play that. But be real, I I, I move around a lot early season. So. Gotcha,
1: Jenny. What's your you... uh,
2: what is your main distinguishing factor between an evening uh, stand area versus a morning stand area?
3: Ninety percent of the time in the morning, I'm going to be higher up in elevation, and than, than most of the time in the evening, I'm low. You know, because trying to play the the most time if I catch a deer or a buck in the evening, it's right that dark, and he's it's such when that thermal switch is so kind of stay yep. on the shady side of the area and and, and trying to catch that where I know a fresh track has come down. But okay. in the evening, ninety percent time I'm in the bottom. So gotcha.
2: morning, okay, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make sure I was on the same page with you with the thermals. You know, the thermals rise in the morning; they they fall at night. Yeah, I was just wanting to make sure we're on the same page with that. Okay.
3: Now, some of that, now, depending on where you hunt, now, if you're hunting a lot of hill country, sometimes we got places up here, the thermal will flop, fall all the way. Yep. Bang, all yeah,
2: it does depend. Yeah, but see, mine, where I'm at is, um, yours is like um totally I've dry, got, dry, right? yeah, I've, like I I've got a, a creek, um, but all of my land, it's, I'm in a suburb, I'm in, you know, behind, you know, a neighborhood. Um mm-hmm. But the patch of woods that is there, I've got a grand total of maybe a hundred acres. Um, it's all wood, but there's great feed trees. There's crap ton of trails, but it it's like Eric was saying, it's all flat. I can't work the the terrain like I want to. You know, on a couple of public spots that I will, but on the on my private side, it's all flat.
3: Yeah, yeah, flat ground is a whole different thing. I hunt some flatter ground, but I still try to find some kind of little bit of elevation. Where I think, or thickets, you know, thickets and elevation, to any kind of little bit of humps or you know, ridges or higher spots. You see, you have got creek in that area. You said, so yes, sir, I it. do. Yeah, I so said creek crossing. Using I, so I, love creek crossing and 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 kind of playing a creek crossing in with some kind of edge change or or some kind of funnel. And generally, I'll try. stuff. So if I'm going to hunt a creek crossing. The does usually cross one place, and the bucks always, not always, but I think they always generally cross downstream. And that's like a – that water moving downstream kind of makes a thermal,
0: a pull. Yeah. they
3: can cross – they'll cross below that, and then they can pick up a doe in heat or just –
2: Yeah, I I hunted a creek spot – a creek crossing last year, and I was able to get – I was able to get two does off of that uh, creek crossing last year, so – I do, look, I do got, definitely use my creek crops.
0: You know that there's that feed tree that I was sitting right next to. I didn't even know it was a feed tree until I was already up there, and it's right by yep. that creek crossing. Mike, I'll send you a video of this. I'm like ten feet up, maybe, because that's as high as I could go. There was cover and everything, right? All right. And there, it was the funniest thing. I didn't see anything all day. This is what was it like, late to mid October that we went out and hunted? Uh, mid
2: October. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't see a thing. I'm sweating. I got yellow jackets flying around because I'm using the nose jammer. So I smell like a vanilla ice cream bar and yeah. dude, this little forky comes walking out 30 yards and he stares dead at me. And I'm thinking crap. The only deer i see, and he's going to run off. And I look over and there's this apple tree right next to me. He does not care that I'm there. He sees me. He just comes walking up, starts feeding on the apples and goes behind me. So you could try that. Yeah. Yeah. But I did find the photo, so if you want to see it, this, this yeah, is – Yeah, uh,
2: cool. this is my 150. I think it's a 150.
0: Yeah, we talked to uh, BJ and them two weeks ago, and they said probably 150. but Davis? Yeah, BJ and Cheeto. Yeah, yeah, Cheeto and – yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good
3: guys right there.
0: Oh, I love uh, those guys. That's, yeah. Dang,
3: yeah. I don't care what you score He's a whopper. Yeah, that, that's those Atlanta bucks, man. <laughs> that's,
2: that's a big, buck. but that that picture right there was taken at uh, four o'clock in the evening, uh, daylight, and ninety-six degrees outside, and <laughs> August seventh. But that was the last time I saw him, and I want him to come back so bad. I haven't seen a buck on cam in four weeks. Wow,
0: that's a big buck, Michael. <laughs> would you agree? Would you agree though that like for that spot? Because me and J.D. had this conversation last year because he and I both, you know, when, when it's deer season, we want to be out there and we're right. not too good and not going. So um, would you say at least for a deer like that and where, you know, he was getting photos of him and where he saw him last year to maybe try to stay out of that area till mid-October, do some mock scrapes, maybe put a little bit of feed out to try and pull him in. But I mean, I, I kind of look at his place, like J.D.'s place as public land just public land you can feed on because it's so big, you uh, know, and there's not a lot of pressure. What would you do?
3: So I'm, so I'm not familiar with the, with the feeding stuff that much, but my thing is this, I'll tell you this big buck I killed. I had him on camera two years. I had two years of information telling me that November, the first week of November he was daylight. And so what I did is like I hunted somewhere else. I wanted to go. I'm just like, yo, when it opens up, I'm hunting somewhere, you know? Yeah. So, but I did not mess with that deer until I knew that that time frame came that he was daylighting, so I hunted somewhere else. And, when I, I mean, it worked out perfect. You know, I could say I planned it, whatever, and I did. I, I had it kind of planned in my mind. I told him I don't want to kill him in the mud motor, And you know, and, and it worked. It don't, you know, them bucks, you just don't put them, you know, if he waits so you know he's daylighting or whatever, then try it then. Try go hunt somewhere else. You know, it would be my thought. Find somewhere else hunting until till the right time on him. You know, and, and try to find three bucks like that if you can, you know, and maybe you know play at others, but I don't know what what all kind of areas y'all hunting, but you know, we kinda of trace the rut here, so so I'm so once it gets past a certain point I'm gonna move on to a different area where the rut's gonna start kicking up. So but I just try to be strategic about that. Be patient, you know, as you know, as big as he is, I you know, I, I can understand, yeah, I want I would try to kill him too somehow or another. Hey, I had a monster one last year that's he ain't gonna score a whole lot. But he's a big old crazy buck, and I, I went in early one time, and uh, I didn't see him. And I, I had the name Cowdy come up. I had the wind in my face, and I had a Cowdy come up straight in front of me. I don't know if there's some kind of funky thermal going down, but that cowardie got even with me. It was like he slapped him in the nose with a paddle. He's not a flip, trying to get out of there. So, huh. but when I, I didn't. I went ahead and stayed because if a buck got to that point, I could shoot him. But uh, I didn't go back down there. The rest of the year because I was afraid that my thermos would mess him up so I never seen him but he, I ain't even got him on camera this year I checked some cameras in that area last week first time since February and you know got a couple other good bucks but he and I've been having this buck regular every year and I ain't got no picture of him now. I don't know if he died of old age or
1: what but he's he,
3: he's a freak so I was I it's just I just got more patient now in my older age and I have learned a lot of hard lessons you know that things what not to do just like a lot of people so just patience is, is more to me and you're going to have some other people that you know that are real good at say dan m fault or uh uh maybe that may guy andy may or whatever just that like sneaking up and finding where the bed at and, and doing that I, I just ain't good at doing that so i'm good at screwing stuff like that up so find you a, 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 a way a couple where that, that that fits the way you want to hunt and do that but be, just be patient so
0: Gotcha. So JD, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I
2: am un—I am unfortunately gonna be stubborn, um, because I work out of town Monday through Friday. I'm okay. only home on the weekends, so I'm hunting the weekends. Um, uh, I've got several spots, and I've got a climber, so i will be—I'll be more mobile this year yeah. and try and play my wind better. But I'm still hunting every weekend because that's what I have.
0: Well you could try publicly. You've got uh some public, oh, yeah. land, don't
2: you? Yeah, yeah. I've got three I've got three different WMAs I can go to that are all within, you know, an hour. So I, I can definitely do a public this year. Um and like I said, at my at that you know, hundred and fifty or whatever acres that it is, I've got, you know, four or five spots. But, you know, even if I stay on the one spot which is only twenty five acres, that's still twenty-five acres I can move around from my one feeder station and I can just Play the wind and be more mobile, but mm-hmm. I am, yeah, I am gonna still hunt every weekend just because right. that's the only time I have.
0: I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I do
3: that. I just, I just say and try to, and if you're gonna try to concentrate on him, trying to figure out a way to get him, you know, say early season, you know, the first day, whatever you can, along with the wind, <laughs> right? Try him a time or two, but and then if you're gonna try to push it more, change things up, you know, different times, you know,
1: little, right
3: you know, whatever, don't, don't, don't get too, don't, don't get too patternable somehow or another, and maybe, come, you know, maybe punt somewhere else, where you, you know, try to figure out where he's coming from, betting them. I'm sure the camera stuff is kind of getting an idea where you think it might be coming from, so.
2: I've got a little to, bit of an idea, yeah.
3: Try to pick him off before
0: he gets to the feeder, maybe, so. Gotcha. I got you. Okay. So, okay. Michael, what, what kind of cameras are you running? Are you running cell cams, or like the old school just pull a card and check it later, well, I mean, what what do you do like what's your camera strategy i guess
3: my my main camera strategy is the old school pull your card. i pull a car in february check batteries you know when i go do all that post-season scouting i'll carry cameras with me and if i find somewhere that's a uh, new area that's interesting i'll put cameras out then and i won't check them again till august you know and that's not and the only reason i'm really doing that wow. is to batteries out, make sure the battery's good change the car then uh but I want to see what's happening during the hunting season. So, but them, that's what I use is just, just the regular old style. I got some cell cams. I had some tech cam and I had bad luck with them, getting water in them. And I I want to, the, my theory on the sail cam is I'll, I don't want to be messing with them. I don't want something I can leave out there for nearly a year without, you know, and just kind of give me data or whatever. I don't want to have to go in and they said that, Well, you need to do something, I said, I don't want the antenna about to come loose or whatever. To me, y'all build them waterproof, or you know, rain rain shouldn't get in them anyway. (laughs) This year, I've got some um, uh, Stealth Cam cell cams. I've got six of them, but I've only got one put out right now. It's so hard for me to find signal that'll work. Right, right. I've only got one cell cam out right now. So, and I got several of the old school. I'm a real big fan of Stealth Cam and Browning. Of the regular cameras, though.
0: so yeah, I'm running the stuff. So camera. if you're if
2: That's... if you're running the uh the old school pull your card type, and you're waiting from February to August, um, <laughs> how big of a memory card are you putting in that thing?
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, either a 32 or a 64, but you know, if I get a thousand pictures, it because something wins, mm-hmm. blowing. You know, I just don't get that many pictures. So I put I don't, oh, okay. I'm not i am not i am not putting them on a food plot or anything at some kind of pinch point some kind of edge above a creek crossing you know stuff like that where you're not if I have I had one that had five or six hundred pictures and a bunch of it was deer and stuff over time frames and I put them on three shot to five shot burst you know that kind of gives you like a movie you know versus you know I got yep. friends that put them on video mode but the, the batteries won't last as long but right. so I put them on three to five shot burst and I, it's very rare that I will have you know, over four or five hundred pictures. That's that's dear. Okay, that,
2: that's that's why I was wondering because I got one that is an old school. I've got one cell cam, and then, then the rest of my cameras, I've got four other cameras, but they're all the old school. Pull your card. Yeah. Um, but I guess with the volume of you know, like I like we were talking about earlier, the volume of does that I have, uh-huh. I don't know if it's the same one over and over again all a lot of the times, or if it's just because I have so many, but. I'll go in there and every week I have at least at least three thousand pictures a week.
1: Uh, that's something. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, what is that, that behind it. you?
3: <laughs> oh, that's the bow kill. Yeah. Good, Good Lord, man. Yeah, That was my that was my, that was my, that was my goal in my whole life is kill one that would make Pope and young and, and I killed him three years that's ago. That's my goal.
1: Yeah. That's so my goal, uh,
3: how big did you say he was? He, he
0: grossed 141 and something. So. Okay. He said 120s earlier. I'm like, that's not 120s,
3: man. No, There's no, no way.
0: way. <laughs> I mean, he, he's
3: a nine point, you know, this 21 and a half inside spread, 25 inch beans. You didn't have real long time. Mass is decent, but he's, I mean, he's a five year old buck. He's a whopper. I mean, and, and, uh, he might uh, pop in young. So, I, I mean, that, that, might, that just blew me away doing it on public land. So, it's just. Uh. Yeah,
0: that is awesome, dude. So, going back to the trail camera thing, because you got me thinking, I've heard some people say that deer will, and this is usually during the rut, but deer will usually, if you've got a camera out on public, let's just say that we'll make a scenario here. You've got a camera on a scrape, you got this buck that daylights. In that season, you don't know he daylights because you're not checking the camera. But you go there, maybe you see him, maybe you don't, maybe you don't get a shot, whatever. Season's over, you go pull that camera, you check the data, and you see November, let's say 5th through the 9th, he daylighted every single day. Didn't daylight after that, didn't daylight before that. Would you right. use that information for the next year and right. then say, okay, he daylighted then, this is when I'm going to go in?
3: Yeah. Uh, that's what, that's, that's mainly what I'm doing. I might have left that out is that trail camera information is always for the next season.
1: Yeah.
3: You know, one buck, if he come by four or five times, you dang hang right up. I'm, I'm going to wait to them days now, but I'll be there for five days in a row if I can, bow hunting and gun hunting, just depending on what the, you know, we only have specific days we can gun hunt, you know. Really? It's only, yeah. You can only say there'll be like three-day gun hunts or two-day gun hunts or four-day gun hunts, but it's not all week. It's only, it might be every other week there's only like three or four gun hunts in these places the rest of it's bow hunt you know maybe a mother loader hunt so huh. so that, that's how that one there you know i was in between gun hunts when i killed that one the bow at Biggins, so and three days later i killed a 137 on a gun hunt same band area but a different area so but so but yeah you dang right i would be there and i the so one of the i really love is when you have four or five different bucks that come through in the daylight within a two-week period you know that that's the that's the key area I'm looking for is something where multiple bucks come through using that pinch point going to check doe groups during that that rut time frame and that's you know that's them places are hard to find but that's, that's one you want so gotcha why did you do
1: that right this year cause that, that buck buck sounds like a
3: good plan. Buck right there he I killed him above a creek crossing but there were four other bucks that I was actually had on camera I didn't even have this guy on camera so.
1: And uh, I mean that's
3: that's I mean that's what you want in the area that they're using the bucks are using to the check them doe groups and you don't know that deer was they had him on camera like three or four miles away and uh, he was coming through he was actually trailing a doe when I killed him so it's just finding them places that to, that's ready for the right time and then wait until that time frame to do it without any kind of intrusion that is what I try to do so just yeah. trying I'm trying to plan everything a year in advance you know basically so yeah.
0: That's probably what I'll end up doing because I've got, I think, four cameras out on public right now. One of them is actually in a creek crossing. I need to go check it on Friday. Um, just because I have no idea what's going on there. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't I don't know anything. Yeah. Um and then there is one, like I said earlier, there is a special spot. I saw this one, he had to have been all of 140, 150. But like you said earlier, they'll sneak up on you, you don't hear them. And I'm <laughs> yeah. facing the wrong way. And it's in November. So, you know, I do like the whole I listened to um he's from Alabama, I think. His name's like Richard Falk or something like that.
3: Richard Falk, he's from, yeah, um, yeah.
0: And he was on because I actually where I heard about you was on the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. And so listen to you, listen to Richard. Richard's got this like grunt sequence that yeah. he does where it's like rah, 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 in circles for five, 10, 15 minutes, whatever. Rah yeah like i mean literally dude i i'll have to send you a link to the episode it's crazy but i, I,
1: I,
3: I have listened to i've listened to a bunch of his he does he does he says he he's grunting all the time and i do a grunt sequence it's very rare that i do a single grunt but, but during during the rut or whatever i just a
1: uh, you
3: know three times at least yeah then maybe, maybe the bleak call before that the only time i'll do a single grunt if I see a bucket easing across somewhere, it's going away from me. Then I throw out a single grunt, try to get him to stop, and then see what he does. And then I've, I've done that sequence before, and I've, I've had younger bucks come running in. So, gotcha. that's I'm I'm not a he does a lot of blind calling, and I I don't. It's very rare for me to do a bunch of blind
1: calling. It's just
3: something's got to be going on to make me call most of the time. So if I do blind calling, with will be with that can, turn that can over, and then and do that three grunt sequence. You know. Yep. But it's generally because I've heard something that I think or seen something that gives me to do that. And, you know, I rattled one in this past season, the first decent one that I rattled in. I could I heard some squirrels doing something that was kind of funky. And there's something going on. So I've, I've done two light rattles, not real crazy aggressive, but just like clanking and kind of grinding. And after about five or ten minutes after the second one, he come up sneaking, trying to figure out what's going on. I got him. So... I, a four and a half year old with an 18 and a half inch spread, a nice one, you know, biggest one I'd ever rattled in uh, that I was successful on. I've been busted a few times, but, and that's just, I have no problem with anybody doing any of that, you know, it's just what you're comfortable with. You know, he does, I find, I think if I'm right, he keeps like a Crown Royal sack or something with a potato chip bag in there when the leaves are dry, like they're chasing, you know, that's a cool tactic too. I would do that in a heartbeat. That's the more realistic you can make that stuff, just. Well, I'm not a real big fan of just doing that crazy fighting because i've I've never heard it in Alabama or anything i but I have seen them spar you know so, but I had one time I- when
0: are
2: you when are you doing your calls and your rattles and all that stuff are you are you doing anything like that come October once they're hard horned or are you waiting until the rut and after to start calling?
3: if I see scrapes or any kind of rubs, you know, once they start doing that, that you can go ahead and do it. I, I'm a real big believer in that. Okay. So, you know, Cause they're already okay. starting to push each other around. You know, they're doing some of them still in bachelor group up until, yeah. you know, like here when Halloween hits, that's when thing get serious about the pre rut, the bucks are cruising, looking for early does or something. But before then, yep. once, once they get their velvet off, you know, they're sparring and doing stuff like that. I would do that. That's, you know, and I know a buddy that does that a lot. And I'm, I'm thinking about might, might try it some more because as long as you don't, you know, as long as it's natural, you know, they, I don't think you're going to hurt them, you know, so.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah. But it, as it far just, as your, as far as your grunt calling, you're waiting until, you know, <laughs> rut time to do that.
3: Yeah, I, I am. Unless I see one because I can't hear, Right. I'm so limited on how I can hear. If, if I do blind calling, a, a mature buck is so dang sneaky that he's going to investigate and try to get downwind or whatever he hears and I won't never see him. You know, it's got to be the right. perfect situation. You know, so early season, right. but
0: that exact probably, thing okay. happened to me, man. I mean, that—that's what I was saying before. You're talking about them being sneaky, um, and why I brought up Richard is I did that exact thing: is I hit the uh, the bleat cans, did a little, meh, and then hit the grunt in like a circle. Uh-huh. And I'm facing this field, and and you know, I'm seeing a bunch of squirrels, and I hear this noise behind me. I think it's a squirrel, so I'm not I'm not paying attention. And JD knows the story. I've told him it a thousand times. I turn around, dude, and I swear the biggest deer I've ever seen, just massive, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Fifteen yards behind my tree, looks right up at me and just gone. Yeah. And that was when I learned. I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this right. The calling works in the right time, but I mean I went a whole year after that, man. I didn't see a single deer. Um, didn't kill one. And I was just doing the calling thing thinking it was gonna work.
3: You gotta have you gotta have some kind of position where they can't get behind you without you seeing them or having a shot was, Yeah, yeah
1: that's,
0: so, and,
3: that, that, and that's hard to do sometimes you know so yeah. It it, well that deer leave did he blow when he left or he just took off no
0: so what he did is he i turned around and all i did was peek my head around the tree and he saw the movement right. and um so i'm thinking i'm freaking out i'm like oh my god it's the biggest deer i've ever seen i'm trying to get my bow down he's like 35 yards away but the problem is the tree is in the way, so I couldn't even have you know pulled back if I wanted to. But um, all he did, he just turned around. He he spooked, but he didn't blow. He just turned around, ran off 20, 25 yards, and then just stood there and was staring at me. Licked his lips a little bit, looked forward, stared at me again, and just walked off. And I you better believe after I got down, I went to the direction he went to and I found rubs, I found it was super thick. So, this season, I mean, this was two years ago, but this season I'm planning on putting some cameras over there mid-October. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but if he is, I can't even imagine how big he is. But, yeah, I mean, he didn't blow. So. Yeah, they, that's very rare, a big buckle blow. Sometimes
3: when they stop out there and he's licking his nose, trying he's trying to cinch you, and sometimes they wind you like that. They might do that one, just yep. a deep blow and then be off, but. It's very rare. I'm a sure buck. Gonna there and blow in five minutes, whatever. He's gonna slip off, get out of there, or verify what you are, then get
0: way out. So, but well, was- what was weird about it is the wind was coming. So, like I said, I'm facing the field, and where this is is there's a. So it's next to a pond. I was maybe 200 yards from where I parked at. Like this is not that deep, and no. I'm next to a pond. There's this little like, I guess. I call it a cut through. It's just a mix of pines, you know, young pines and oaks and all of that. And then there's a trail that DNR cuts between two sections of woods. So I'm off the trail a bit, And I mean, literally dude, the wind was blowing for some stupid reason. I thought I can set up here. It's fine. The wind's blowing this way, like going in front of me. So I'm already set up wrong. And he never, I mean, that's the, he never winded me. He just, he just saw me and was like what is that and then ran off this was also my second year hunting so i didn't know what i was doing
2: (laughs) i'm also i'm will i'm willing to bet you set up right in his bed um because you were upwind of him you were upwind of him and he was walking around you know about to take a big crap in his normal area and happened to see movement and i I guarantee you you were in his
0: i could definitely see that i mean this looked that's why i went there Because we scouted a couple weeks before, me and a buddy of mine, we found big scrapes, huge rubs, and I just, like an idiot, I'm thinking, oh, he's going to come from the field. Because, you know, watching, uh, I'm from Illinois, so my mind instantly back then would jump to, all right, these deer are going to be in the field. I'm not thinking about morning time, they're going to bed. I'm thinking there's a field, the sun's up, deer. And it just... Yeah, cool. you set up
2: right in his bed, and that's one of the things that I've listened to. And and y'all may want to do it differently, or you may already do it differently. But me personally, I'm not setting up in a bedding area. I'll set up close, or you know, a hundred, two hundred yards away from it. But I, if I find a bedding area, I do not want to be any. I don't want to be within fifty yards of the bedding area.
3: I'm definitely don't. I don't like getting too close to them either, and I definitely don't want any kind of position where my wind is there any chance of my wind blowing to that bed there. So yeah. I, my, I don't mess with them that much, you know.
0: So. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was new. I made the mistake. I learned from it though.
2: So,
0: I mean, we've all we've here, all made
2: mistakes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, well I'm, I'm, before we um. Before we wrap this up, man, because we've been going a little bit over an hour, I don't want to hold you too long, but I do have a question. Um, JD made me think about it. I've talked with work or work. I've talked with Kurt from working class Bell hunter um, a couple times about bedding and all that stuff. And he made a point. I'm curious your opinion on it. He said that from what he's seen, not deer aren't going to go to the same bedding area every time. Have you noticed that where it's not like they've got one specific spot that they always bet in that they're going to change it or do you usually see it in one specific spot most of the time
3: mature buck is not going to bed the same bed all the time he just that's how he's still alive he's staying he's staying he's like you know like everybody trying to learn to be mobile hunter he's a mobile mobile better he's not he ain't gonna get patterned like yet you know not not in the south you know at, yeah. up north you know their, their bedding areas are limited you know he might do that north but in the
0: south i'm i'm uh-uh. No, so. See, and that's what Kurt said. So I'm, yeah. I'm like, well, then how do you got? Because I'm trying to understand how you know guys like Dan and and all that are able to find the buck bedding, and they yeah. make it sound like it's always you know one specific section. Yeah. But if he changes it up, how do you know? You know? Yeah. And and then I don't, I don't through. think it's
2: a, I don't think it's a specific section. I think it's, it's specific to what that deer likes to bed in. He'll find that same kind of stuff and that same kind of privacy and security. In different areas, but not the exact same area. Yeah,
3: and the the, something like I've I've only been up north a little bit, and from what watching whatever you know, their deer, the bedding areas are limited, and the does and the bucks sometimes will bed in the same general area. They you know they're using each other as far as for watching people and stuff. So, where our bucks or what I've learned about our mature bucks here is they don't bed, they don't hardly bed close to the does except during the rut you know so they're they're they don't want they're away they don't want any kind of pressure or any kind of anybody else messing with them they just don't like being around a bunch of other deer so they stay off you know so that's that's my so thought
2: i had one story last year eric you remember this one i called you right after it, and i was all pumped up over this little bitty spike um but he was at, i climbed up in the stand it was early morning and i was hunting over a feed feed spot and I was waiting on them to, you know, sun come up, wait on thermals to rise, all that kind of stuff, wait on them to get up and, you know, come check the feed out and all that kind of stuff. Or work their way back from or back to their bedding area and check the feed out. But I had this little bitty, he was a yearling, little bitty spike, but it still, it got me excited, so I shot him. Um, yeah. But he was bedded 30 yards behind me. And I had no idea. I climbed up my stand. I walked in there, everything, making all kind of noise. I dropped my release down. Oh, I didn't hit every single rung on the way down to the ladder. I went back down, climbed back up. And this is all still in dark with a flashlight on. And huh. a fly, or a headlamp head on. And I got back up in my stand. And I, then I turned around because I heard something. And I noticed this little yearling was bedded behind me at 30 yards. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. But I couldn't shoot. I couldn't shoot him. He was in a bad spot, so I had to wait. But he he, textbook got up, come out to the feed spot, boom, got him. But I've just that was my first time ever having a buck bed that close to me and still get a shot after making all the racket and huge mistakes that I made. He didn't care.
3: Yeah, it's. It, I mean, that's not the people that do it. I'm so impressed. Now I know another guy that I'm friends with, Rendell Eric. He. uh yeah, he's like he's, he's in Iowa. He works for deer now, but awesome he's a, dude. Dude. yeah, he's awesome dude. He kills some monster bucks. He does that style. And last year, I don't think he killed a deer. You know, he might had he, but he's got bigger targets than like us. You know, basically, yeah. but you know, but it's it's not as easy as everybody thinks to do that. You know, these people can do it, but it, you know, if it was easy, what what fun would it be? You know, I like challenges. Right. And I like challenges. So just. But it's it's fun. I'm sure it's just it's so hard to do that. it's it's a hard pattern in the South, big woods to, to try to to do that for me. you know, you know, any, somebody might be able to, do it, but I can't do it. So it's just.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just I, I was not planning on doing that at all. I had no intentions of that. It just happened. I was like, you've got to be kidding me! I've never in my life had a deer bed behind me, yeah. and me make all this racket, and it never get up or never even cared.
0: Yeah, well, it was killing me too, man. Cause Joe, I don't know if you saw it, Joe Miles just got that, uh, oh yeah, South Carolina bug. So I messaged him like, man, I was like you know how bad I want to be hunting right now. I was like, why you gotta, why you gotta do us like that? It's like you just starting the season off that way now. Yeah, we got to catch up? He's uh,
3: a, I'm a good guy to talk to Joe too. I have talked to him uh, at Chattanooga that thing, and uh, he's an awesome guy. You know, I've got some of the gear this year to to try out, and it's just. Their clothing and stuff is very impressive. I just ain't got to wear any hunting yet, but I'm I'm sure it's gonna be great. This thing is super quiet too. I, that material they make out of is so quiet, and the, the pattern is cool. But he's a dang big buck killer, and he he done you know he made a great decision. You know, talking talking Rendell into into start working for him and stuff, and doing some of them shows, and and, uh, and I think they're gonna film some hunts and stuff. So that's gonna be cool. They're gonna put out some awesome stuff. So then, but them, them people like that then are very impressive. So you know. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, you know, I everybody can learn from people like that, especially you know, I don't. That's another thing I, I kind of suggest to tell everybody don't get too tunnel vision, you know, listen to a variety of different podcasts or different shows. That's it's kind of you know, some of it, you know, the where people got big farms and stuff, some of that's kind of hard to duplicate right? In the south, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just a whole different style of hunting. But, you know, a lot of that other stuff, man, you can learn. Like, you know, like I said, Troy Pottinger, you know, Richard Fought, you know, uh, uh, the older guy to, out of Carolina. I can't think of his name. I just met him this year. But anyway, people like that, it's, it's got all that experience that went through the old way. You know, we didn't, like I grew up hunting and all that. That the, What magazine we had to read was Outdoor Life, and none of it pertained to anything in the South. So,
1: mm-hmm. so you
3: learn it the hard way. But now there's so much information out there that, man, you can, you can. You know, don't get overwhelmed with it, but but take bits and pieces of it and, and apply it to your style of hunting that you think will work. So, it's just – I mean, there's plenty of people to listen to and just or read or whatever. So well, like, open.
0: I listen to, you know, what you have to say, what, like, Joe Miles. I mean, we've been affiliated with them for, what, J.D., like eight months now. And I feel yeah, almost a year. Yeah, I feel bad whenever I text Joe and I'm like, hey, man, what do you think about this? I'm like, I'm probably bothering this dude so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but he's always cool enough to respond and give advice. And, you know, like I said, it's got him, you the seek one guys, suburban bow owner. I mean, there's so many people around this area now that just five years ago, I didn't know anything. I was doing the same thing. I'm listening to, you know, the meat Eater podcast where they're talking about, you know, Wisconsin and, and, uh, right. Iowa bucks. I'm like, Oh, well, let me try that. And it doesn't work because it's all ag up there or yeah. for the most part. Right. So it's you're right, man. It's totally different. You know, now, that we've got, you know, voices like yours and the Southern Southern outdoorsman guys, where you can actually listen to the podcast and you can learn how to hunt the South, not take what they do up North and try to manipulate it down here. You know? uh, right. Yeah. So
2: another thing out kind of outside of the, you know, hunting world for just for a minute, um, I saw you up at the show, uh, how at, at the, um, the, the world deer expo, uh, how'd your uh, wife do with the purses?
3: She's sold two there or something. She's got, I mean, she's okay. got still for sale. She's still making some. She just made one other day. I can see some of them here. She just made up one other day. It's got a skunk tail for the, the lid. thing. it's pretty neat. So she's <laughs> what? still,
1: yeah, yeah. So she there makes. You go. That's cool. Yeah.
3: There's some cool purses. You know, she's. It takes a lot of time, and she does some hard work. And they're all natural, and they're all handmade. And she, I mean, it's I mean, she's she's doing good with them. Just it ain't.
2: That's good. That's good yeah, to hear, man.
3: Selling, she's selling a whole bunch of them. I mean, a lot of people don't even know about them. We don't really advertise much, yeah. but it, but they're very neat. They're all they're all one of a kind. So I mean, I'm very proud of what she can come up. She can come up with stuff in her head. It's amazing. So, and I'm looking for her to, to get get big, but for too long and just you know just there you
1: kind
3: go. Of the world because you know she had she had a 190 on her one time with a crossbow and she just couldn't make the shot happen and uh yeah oh man yeah so uh, she she's, she's, she's He's getting close. It's gonna happen one day. So
0: and, and you'll you be That's ready. gonna be awesome. No, yeah. yeah, you might have just given me a Christmas idea. Get get my wife a a, a skunk purse. Hey, <laughs> That'd be kind of be cool. Special. Yeah, you better <laughs> let me
3: know because ain't they, this ain't one of them. So, 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 so.
0: we got we time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll definitely let you know that, man. Well, look, we're uh we're we're running a little long on this, but man, I've enjoyed this. I really, really have. Dude, the, the amount oh, of yeah? info that you've given, I think. I'm just going to say if me and JD or just me or just him or whatever, if any of us kill a big deer on public, I'm going to have to give you some of the credit. Oh yeah. You taught us a lot.
1: Well, I and, appreciate it.
0: I mean, I feel like what better guy to talk to about public land hunting with big bucks. I mean, you've, you've definitely proven that you know what you're doing. Um, So I guess before we sign off here, man, like what's, what, what's the plans for this season? What are you, you know, what are you planning on going to do? Are you going out of state? I mean, what's, what's
3: coming we're planning on going to missouri uh which i'll start here you know the end of september for a few days but we're planning on going to missouri on public land around the end of october first week of november and try that for a little bit bow hunting public land so give that a shot and then come back and do our alabama stuff but missouri is the only plans i've got this year from going out state but i'm going to try to every year try to do something like that somewhere different i've been by about I've got two preference points for Iowa now. I bought a preference point for Kansas. I've got a bunch of elk points in Wyoming. I think I got like 11 points, 11 or 12 elk points from Wyoming and some mule deer points. So my wife's getting some antelope points. We used to go out there a bit, but it's been about 10 years since we've been. So she wants to get antelope. So over the next couple of years, I'm going to start you know, doing some more stuff as I get older, Try to knock some of this stuff out. I'd like, really love to get back to Alaska and do something something else you know or a couple of things you know sometime or another but i'm trying to branch out a little bit more on the whitetail and some different you know big buck states just because when i went to iowa a couple of years ago late season that's a cool place it's it was cold i was like man it, i ain't never been that cold before but it's but there's some deer there and it's very interesting you know and i'd love to get back there on a on the archery hunt so i'm buying points for that and kansas is another one interesting so i'm buying points for that too so. Oh yeah,
2: man. Yeah, you're definitely gonna have to get back up there to Alaska and get you another dinosaur tooth. I mean, that,
0: that, <laughs> well what I was gonna to say. Is, if you if you plan to go to Alaska, let me know. We'll go knock down some caribou. Okay. Knock that off the list. That <laughs> would be coming, man. So that'd be awesome, dude. Look, man, thank you for coming on, dude. Like I said, you taught us a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this this one when I told JD that you were coming on, I'm like, bro, we've got a legend coming. And he's like, who? I'm like, Michael Perry. And then ever since then I've been counting it down. I was uh, so excited when you said you could still do it because I know it's been a couple of weeks since we talked. Um but yeah, man, thank you. Seriously. Well, this was great. Well, I
3: appreciate that. And, and I, that's one thing I always wanna to try to do is try to help anybody, you know, the best we can up doing these, you know, and talking to y'all, that's how we get to know each other. We're, we're a tight community and that sharing that knowledge and helping each other out is what it's about. I don't want to be I don't wanna be yeah, this
2: community's to gotta stay together.
3: Yeah, oh, sure. you know, I've caught a lot. I've caught crap over the years about posting pictures about you know spotlighting public areas and stuff. And that's to me, if if, if that buck is not seen and the area is not promoted, how do you know it? I mean, to yep. me, if you show an area what the potential is, then that gives people hope, and then they'll pass more younger bucks, or they'll have
0: or. Uh. I think we're losing you we can't hear you we can't hear you, can you hear me? no <laughs> it's like um, super low I don't know. I that's know? a little better
3: yeah. yeah i don't know uh but i just caught you know if you to promote, you know seeing seeing these big deer get killed and where they're at you know i like guess people
1: hey it can, it can be done the potential there is don't hide anything, you know, so I'm to, like, I kind of but book book. I had yeah. to put I I sign I I I what but it's just,
3: we can't be negative about each other, Negative about how people hunt. I don't care what you hug, man, what you and enjoy, and share land,
1: share the you know it's, it's our job to
0: manage and manage these animals and enjoy it. so it, it, it's nots be yeah amen, man. Agree, man amen to that I completely agree man I could tell you a 30 minute story about something to do with that but <laughs> I'll just have to text it to you but um yeah man look thank you and we're gonna have to do this again soon all right I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep up with what you're doing and the first giant you kill the next week we're gonna have to have you on. <laughs> don't, don't <jinx> me. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. not. I'm not. I'm I'm uh what's the word? I'm prophesying right now. You're gonna do it. <laughs> I got full faith. I appreciate y'all having me on, you all appreciate y'all's work, keep it up,
3: you know, keep sharing the knowledge and keep sharing y'all's adventures, man. We really appreciate
1: it.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you, man.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. Have y'all have See good you, Thank you, have good.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Southeastern Hunter Podcast. If you don't mind, go on Apple, go on Spotify, wherever you listen to this and give us a five-star review. It really helps out. And, you know, I just want to give all the glory and all the thanks to God. Without him, I wouldn't be able to do any of this. We wouldn't be able to do anything without him. So just needed to throw that out there. Thank you again for listening. And don't forget to give us a review.